back to another episode of City of the Desert. I'm Father David Abernathy, and we're continuing our reading of the Philokalia, in particular the volume on writings on the prayer of the heart. And over the past few months, we've been discussing the writings of St. Hezekiah of Jerusalem on sobriety and prayer. Uh, last week, we had been discussing his thoughts on humility, which he sees as the mother of virtues and the perfecter of the virtues. And today he will be tying humility in particular to passionlessness. These two lead to knowledge of God or contemplation. We begin today with paragraph 67 on page 293 of the text, if you're following along. Hezekiah writes, the way to knowledge is through passionlessness and humility, and without these no one shall see the Lord. He who unceasingly occupies his time with that which is within is chaste. And not only this, but he knows contemplation, the word of God, and prayer. And it is of this that the apostle speaks when he says, Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So humility tied then with a kind of purity of heart, chastity, leads one to see God, to come to a knowledge of God and also a knowledge of his word. That without purity of heart and without humility, we will never come to experience these things in our spiritual life. He continues in paragraph 69 by saying, He who does not know how to journey on the spiritual road pays no attention to his passionate thoughts. That is, he does not drive them away, but all his time is concerned with his flesh. Either he's a glutton and lives riotously, or he is distressed and angry and bears grudges, and thence his thoughts are darkened, or he may practice immoderate asceticism and so harm his heart. So a person who is not fully engaged in the spiritual life is not going to be attentive to the passions and failing to be attentive to them. He either falls into a kind of gluttony or angry anger, or will actually hurt himself physically and emotionally by engaging in an asceticism that uh, is not moderate, but rather extreme. In paragraph 70, he writes, he who renounces worldly things, such as women and wealth and so on, makes the outer man a monk but not yet the inner man. But he who renounces the passionate thought of these things makes a monk of the inner man as well, that is, the mind. Such a man is a true monk. One can easily make the outer man a monk if one wishes, but it is no small struggle to make a monk of the inner man. I think this is in particular important for us who do live in the city and are seeking to embrace the wisdom of the monastics, that we are called to the same virtue as the monk, to be attentive to our passionate thoughts, 
to avoid not just outward sins and uh, the fulfillment of our appetites, but rather seeking to purify the mind and the heart, to purify the inner man, in order that we might come to know the kind of freedom that Hezekiah speaks of here in these texts. And so it is the inner man where we are to give the most attention in the spiritual life. Even in his day, Hezekiah was saying that there are very few who are attentive to their passions and to the ordering of their appetites. And the same may be said of today, that there, it is rare to find among us those who have the attentiveness of the desert monastics. And so in paragraph 71, he picks up by saying, who is there in this generation who is wholly free from passionate thoughts, who has acquired the pure, immaterial, ceaseless prayer which is the distinguishing feature of the inner man. So how many people can we point to who guard their inner person with such discipline as well as seek to maintain a kind of silence and stillness so as to maintain the unceasing prayer of the Jesus prayer? Many passions are hidden in our souls, he writes, but they are discovered only when that object or cause which arouses them appears. So it's only through a kind of watchfulness over time that we begin to see the cause of the passions very clearly. It's not something that becomes obvious to us in a quick fashion. And perhaps this is the reason why there are so few in our generation that practice this kind of asceticism. It does take uh, time, stillness, solitude, and discipline. In paragraph 73, he writes, Let not all your attention be upon the body, but allotting to it work compatible with its strength. Turn your whole mind upon the things that are within. For it is said, Bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. 1 Timothy, Timothy chapter 4. And so the physical aspect of the ascetical life uh, is not the most important. It may be the beginning place for us, but all of our energies, uh, or the greater portion of our energies, are to be directed to the inner man, to be attentive to our thoughts and the fa fantasies and the passions and how they're working on us from within. If passions are inactive merely because their causes, objects are removed, or the demons are in a deceptive retreat, pride follows. So the mere absence of these passions should not make us overly confident. Uh, the demons are very attentive to the movements of our minds and our hearts, the patterns in our lives, and they can see when we uh, become overly self-confident and so may refrain from tempting us from time to time until that pride takes over and then we fall once again into the passions. He writes, humility and hardship, bodily privations, free man from all sin, the first by cutting away the passions of the soul, and the second by cutting away those of the body. And for this cause, the Lord saith, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. That is, they shall see him and the treasures that are in him, when through love and abstinence they purify themselves and so much the more as their purification is increased. So as the purification of our heart 
uh, grows and develops, the more we begin to see of God and his ways, the greater the truth that we begin to contemplate and comprehend. Furthermore, he writes, the watchtower lookout over words to acquire all the virtues means guarding the mind, as David's watchman of old signified circumcision of the heart. And so we are to uh, let the eye of our heart, as it were, the noose, be the watchtower for us, to look over the, the mind and the heart and to guard any entrance of a passion or sinful thought. When we look at something harmful on the level of the senses, we are hurt. So too it is on the level of the mind. He who wounds the heart of a plant causes the whole plant to wither. So let us think of the heart of a man. We must be on our guard at every moment, for the thieves never sleep. Again, we have to be attentive here to the relentlessness of the thieves or the demons who would seek to steal away our watchfulness of heart. And once they have caused us through our sin to wound the heart, then it is not long before we fall again once into the passions and it will take uh, an even longer time perhaps for us to regain the virtue that we have, have lost. The Lord wishing to show that every commandment is obligatory and that sonship of God is a gift won for men by his very blood, says, When shall ye have done all those things which are commanded you, you shall say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. For the kingdom of heaven is not the reward of our work, but it is the gift of the grace of the Lord, prepared for his faithful servants. The servant does not ask for his freedom as a reward, but if he receives it, he gives thanks for it like a debtor. And if not, he awaits it as a mercy. So we... Uh, give ourselves no credit in doing these things as those who have been made sons and daughters of God, as those who have been purified by the blood of Christ, we take up this discipline as hard as it is as those who are faithful servants. It is our duty to guard the heart in such a way. And when the Lord has freed us from the passions, then we are simply to offer him gratitude. We are not to think that freedom comes to us as a reward, but rather as a gift of his grace. This teaching on obedience is very important to us. We labor not because simply we want to, or it is a good thing to do, but because it is a duty. And it is part of our nature to pursue the freedom that belongs to us as sons and daughters of God. And it is this point that Hezekiah takes up in greater detail beginning with paragraph 80. He writes, According to the scriptures, Christ died for our sins. So he gives freedom to those who serve him well. For he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He who trusts himself to bear knowledge of the duties of a slave is not yet a faithful servant, but he who shows his faithfulness by obeying the commandment given by Christ. So we show 
that we are true servants of Christ, that we are true sons and daughters of God by making use of our freedom in order to obey God. Uh, we do not see it as uh, a right, but rather something that we receive by grace in order to be faithful to him. Hezekiah goes on in 81 to say, He who honors his master does that which he is bidden, and if he errs or overlooks something, endures what happens to him as his due. But you then, be you then, both a lover of learning and a lover of labor, of course, in fulfilling the commandments. For bare knowledge puffs up a man. And so we are to be lovers of learning and lovers of labor, but we are to love the knowledge of God, and we are to love to labor to keep his commandments, simply to pursue the knowledge of this world for its own sake, uh, leads us to be at risk to be puffed up with, with pride, and ultimately would make us lose our humility. He continues finally by saying, the temptations which come to us unexpectedly serve to teach us to become lovers of labor. And so we are allowed to experience the temptations that afflict us on a daily basis, uh, often simply to, to show us that we have to labor constantly and with a constancy, that we can never let off of our, our discipline, knowing that, again, that the demons are relentless, seeking to pull us away from the virtue that God has called us to. That brings us to the end of this episode. Next week, Hezekiah will continue to speak of humility, its appearance, and how it manifests itself in our lives. Until then, I look forward to seeing you soon. Mm -hmm.